0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a Pen and a Napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Uh, Just wanted to give a short, short precursor to this episode. (laughs) It's crazy to think, and you're going to hear it early on here. Uh, This is episode number four hundred of a Pen and a Napkin, and it is really, really hard to believe that things have. gotten to this point. Uh, When I started this whole thing, I I was looking for for something for myself more than anything else. Uh, As I, you know, set out my first year of my two-year sabbatical, and, you know, I would just, I had trouble. Again, maybe I'm just a tough guy to, or I, I have trouble figuring things out, but I was looking for something for me. And all I've ever done uh, since the get-go of this about three and a half years ago, is to try and find something or to try to put out there it, it, stuff that I would like. And I hope that uh, folks have liked it. I've had a blast uh, doing the things that I've done with it. Uh, if you'd have told me the the people that I'd had a chance to talk to, uh, both on the air and off the air, I'd have said you're crazy. Uh, but uh, I've, I've really enjoyed this process of Bringing um, people, ideas, concepts, uh, all the above to everybody. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy to think that we're at our, our third annual coaches clinic. It's crazy to think that uh, the number of people that have have followed, have liked, have have done things, uh, the conversations I've had. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. And I want to thank you for all of that. I want to thank everybody that's been involved with this. And there's so many people to thank. So it's it's hard to say, uh, everybody, because there is, uh, but I want to thank my wife for believing in this. I want to thank uh, Kevin and Heidi Kozak for uh, what they did. You know, they did, they gave me a little bit of money. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was the money I needed to get this thing started and off the ground. Uh, I want to thank uh, Tom Krable for uh, recording a bunch of roundtables at his place, uh, Casey Hall, uh, Mark Krueger. Tony Viss, uh, you know, a lot of the regulars, Tony Chapman, uh, Kirk Walker, Jennifer Raggi, uh, just just so many people. I uh, want to thank my administration and my new job at Fort Calhoun for allowing me to continue to do this and being supportive of everything that I've done uh, for, you know, just, just little things. Like uh, the day I interviewed Roy Williams, I only had about a 45 minute window and my principal uh, let me out of some training early so I could interview Roy Williams. I mean, stuff like that, that makes that stuff possible. So there's there's so many people to thank, um, my kids, uh, my dad, uh, my stepmom, uh, everybody in between. Uh, there's been some real ups, uh, there's been some real downs. Uh, a couple of the hardest podcasts I've ever had to do uh, was the one about my father in law, and uh, especially the one about uh, my best friend Randy, who uh, I still miss every day. Every day, there's not a day that doesn't go by that I don't think about him. And I want to thank, you know, my buddies, uh, John, uh, Travis, Meyer, Kevin, uh, all of those people for just believing in this and uh, just helping me do what they do. And uh, just I, I can't thank everybody enough. So uh, we recorded a roundtable pod at state tournament in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, this is the third one of the three. Uh, rec- we recorded it on Friday. Obviously, we're dropping it Monday morning. So I hope everybody enjoys it. Thank you, everybody, for being so loyal to a pen and a napkin. And this is 400. I hope we get to 800, but we're going to worry about number 401 before we worry about 800, and we're going to keep trying to crank out the best stuff that we possibly can. So thank you, everyone. Just wanted to say that before we got going today. Good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome once again from downtown Lincoln, Nebraska, the Haymarket District. We are at the Mellow Mushroom, just across the street from Pinnacle Bank Arena, literally, what, 72 and a half feet away from the front doors of Pinnacle Bank Arena. And we have our third and final coaches' uh, roundtable podcast of the Nebraska Girls' State Tournament. Really excited today, Mr. Nate Pribnow of Fremont Bergen High School. Coach, how you
1: doing today? Good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you'd rather not be here. Would yeah, you? I wish we were playing, but this is the second best place, I guess.
0: The second best. Well, I'll, I'll take second best. <laughs> I'll take second best. So, Kelly Cooksley, head girls basketball coach at Broken Bow High School, our second guest of the week from the uh, the edge of the Sandhills. So yeah, way out west. Way out so. west. And this is is this your Second most preferred place to be
2: too, Kelly. I I would agree with uh, Nate here. So
0: okay, all right, and Mr. Tom Tiberdy uh, from Omaha Marion High School. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Glad second to be second here. most preferred place, or this might be your most preferred place to be. It's got to be right there. It's got to be right one there too. All right, okay. Probably one here, a second. Okay, all right, well, all right. Uh, really excited to go here again. We've talked about it the first couple of podcasts this week. Uh, Mike, the general manager here at the Mellow Mushroom, has taken care of us. Uh, he's been absolutely awesome. Uh, they've got, uh, if you're going to be down here for the finals, uh, and, and you won't hear this until Monday, we're going we're to hold off on this one and drop it on Monday. Uh, so, uh, but if you're, if you're in town for the Boys State Tournament, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, stop in at the Mellow Mushroom. Uh, pre-game, post-game, uh, great staff, great food deals, great pizza. We've got Carson Taverdi going to give us the food review. Uh, Carter Plum gave us the food review the last two days. So Carson Taverdi is going to give us the food review today uh, as we get towards the end of the podcast. So hold on for that as well. Um, it's always scary when a history teacher does a little bit of math. But uh, also uh, kind of cool here today. Overall, in the history of a pen and a napkin, this is the 400th total podcast in a pen and a napkins.
2: Do the balloons fall down now?
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, so, uh, you know, it just kind of turned out that's the that's the the, num- the round number that it fell upon. So, I'm excited for have this is 165 for the interview podcast segment, but 400 altogether. So, I want to thank you guys for being part of. Of number four hundred here, and, and I still
3: remember driving to Wichita, Kansas, to a youth basketball tournament when you called me about this idea you had and what I thought. I'm like, ah, it'll never make it. No, I well, did. Yeah, I think I actually said it would make it, but this is really incredible what it's grown into. Really amazing. Real credit to you and what you've done. And I told my son, it's it's gone national. I mean, there's like, I mean, this is a pretty incredible thing you've done.
0: Well, I appreciate it. It's it's. Uh it's been uh, really cool, the connections that I've been able to make doing it, you know, and, and I want to get to the basketball stuff. I don't want to spend a much time on that, but uh, it, it's it's been a lot of fun to do. I, I hope I've helped out a few people. You know, like, you know, for me, I've said this before, when, when I was out for a couple of, you know, especially that first year, you still got that coaching bug. You just don't have a team to coach. And it was just hard for me to find something that fit what I felt like I needed as a high school basketball coach, and that was the impetus of it all, so... Uh, I appreciate it. All of you guys have been on before. I appreciate you being on before. Appreciate everybody that has been on. And uh, yeah, let's uh, enough of that stuff. Let's let's get talking about uh, let's get talking about some basketball. So what do you uh, what do you guys want to talk about today? I always uh, th- these are my favorite ones to
2: do because we're just sitting around talking. So what do you what do you want to talk about, guys? I guess uh, today I went to the C1 games and that just showed how incredibly deep that class is. I mean, yeah incredible games uh credit to Adam Central and and North Bend getting back uh, mm-hmm. just incredible day of basketball so far yeah um, and and
0: three of those four programs have been pretty pretty solid you know so I, I guess let's start there you know getting yourself in that situation of of consistently being in the mix uh, you know and 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 you know, Tommy, you did that at, at at Seward, and every time we talk, I, I say you still owe me two state championships. <laughs> you should have you should have been two and two, but it's okay. I'm not bitter in any way, shape, or form. Uh, you know, Kelly, you've built built a, a great, consistent program at Broken Bow. Nate, your record speaks for itself there at Bergen. You know, what have what have been as as you've built your programs? What have been the you know your pillars? The the the, the two, three, four things that that the bones of your program. Uh, over the years, as, as you've built up your programs into
1: into consistent winners, Nate, let's
0: start with you on that, buddy.
1: Um, I think one of the biggest things it, it starts with our youth program. Um, it takes a lot of parental support, parents that are willing to to go through all the way with a class of kids uh, and and be a, just coach them all the way through. And uh, we, our coaches, myself and our, our head boys coach Ryan Monarch, ten weeks in, over the course of basketball season on Sunday nights, were there working with preschoolers all the way through our our sixth graders and then obviously we pass on to our junior high level after that but uh it's a program is really what it is and I think that that's where it kind of starts with us and the success that we've had it's uh coach Paulson when he was there with with the boys before uh coach Monarch was there he really had it rolling with uh with our youth program and he brought it lo and behold he had three daughters so he he thought well I better bring the girls along for this and and when he did um we started to see that that same kind of success that that our boys had. had. So, it takes a lot of time. Um, it takes, like I said, it takes people that are invested in your program. It takes people that are willing that, that want to sit around and watch bad basketball when their kids get to high school. And that's, I mean, yeah, that's really what it becomes. Yeah. Is you have to put in the time when they're younger. You can't wait until they're in middle school and say, well, now let's become let's develop a good basketball player. It, yeah. It, you know, with all the all of the organizations across the state that help develop talent and the the good teams the good coaches across state you got to start at a young age and i think that um we're doing a good job with that right now and it's just kind of a testament to the parents that we have and the people that are invested in our program i I tell my youth coaches often your job is to sit through a lot of bad basketball
0: so that i can coach some good (laughs) basketball you know and and i think there's a lot of truth to what you said because those i i I was there as a parent where it's just like oh boy ooh, a 12 to 8 barn burner today (laughs) you know uh, and that sometimes that's a scoring explosion, you know. So I, uh, I I definitely agree with you there, Nate. So other than youth program, Tom Taverdi, what have been what's what's been a a pillar to your program building? Identifying and promoting
3: tough, competitive kids that love to play the game, and that is not hard to identify even at the youngest of ages at a third grade camp. I mean, really identifying. Because if they're tough, they're competitive, they love the game, they'll love working on the game. If they love working on the game, they're going to improve at the fastest rate. And then you get a core of kids like that. They attract others like that and kind of shoo away the ones that aren't that way. And you win with tough, competitive kids. I, I've told our, our girls towards the end of the season, the Sam Hoyberg example. Here's a 5'10 kid that has no business playing in the in the Big Ten. Well, he was but six he,
0: foot till he got his hair cut.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just tough and competitive, and it just, it, it, you as a fan get excited when you watch that. You get, and, and that's what it does to the teammates, to the coaches. And so, that's to me the biggest thing. And you go down here, to state tournament, and all that, and you just watch the teams that win, they got tough, competitive kids that have obviously loved the game, and therefore, it's not work for them to be in practice. By the end of the year, they're not dreading it; they're loving it. Competitors love the grind; they love the price to pay to be successful. Non-competitors cringe at the idea that I have to work that hard. Yeah. I mean, can can it just be given to me? So, to me, that's the thing: is identifying tough, competitive kids that love to work on their game. And you get a you, you just I start with identifying one of them, and then you got all of a sudden that will attract a second. Pretty soon. The core of your team is that. And that's where you're going to win, consistently or not, is do you have a core in your team of tough, competitive kids? And they're easy to identify, I found. Easy. Can you,
0: the you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, can you develop competitive kids? Can you develop the skill of competitiveness? That's a question for the table.
2: Kelly? I. I mean, I think you can. Uh, when I got to Broken Bow, we were not good. I mean, as a program, uh, and I think once the kids kind of started seeing some success, that that translated over into practices and into everything. Whether it was practices or games or school, I mean, they they wanted to be the best and they really pushed each other. And, uh, I think you can, but like. Coach said here that it it's it's definitely one of those things where you can really identify who who wants to be there and wants to compete and show up and uh, I I think you can though. Uh-huh.
1: Nate, I would agree. I think some kids are born with it, some just some have it right away. Uh, but I do think you can develop it, and by having those kids that are part of your program, like like Tom mentioned, that they got it, they they have it when they step in day one as a freshman. Uh, it helps bring it out in others, and there's things that we can do as coaches too. Uh, competitive drills in practice, where you create a culture. Of, you know, some kids love to win. Yeah. But some kids absolutely hate losing, and when you have that kid that hates losing, I, I think there's just a difference between a kid that hates to lose and a kid that kind of likes to win. So, yeah. um, I think there are things that we can do to help develop it in practice with the the drills that we do, and and again, success breeds success. You get a group of kids like that together. Wow, you usually have something special going on. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've talked to our
3: kids a lot this year about feed the hungry. If you're hungry, we're going to feed you, and we're going to find out who's hungry. Feed the hungry, because the hungry ones want to eat, and so you can channel and grow that. If you keep, you've got to keep feeding them, though, and the ones that aren't very hungry, they don't want them second helpings. You just like, they end up, end, you know, fading off into the sunset, but yeah, you can definitely, and, and when you start attracting kids like that, you just get more hungry people at the table. Yeah. And that's what culture is, identifying, promoting the right kind of kids.
0: Well, and I and I think that a big part of, of that is having a certain standard that you are. There is no negotiation on what the standard is on on how we practice, on how we prepare, how we how we do our rebounding drills, or how competitive we're going to be in our shooting drills. Well, you know, whatever it is, whatever those standards are across the board. And, and I've I've always believed it's not up to me to lower my standards to meet you. It's up to you to raise your effort to meet. My standards, because my standards aren't going to change. Because if there's two choices between me being happy or you being happy, I'm going to be happy because I'm in charge, Mm -hmm. and so we're going to do things the way I want to do it. And and it's not you don't want a standard that's so hard to reach that you can't reach it because then you're continuing. Then then there's no they they never get the carrot at the end of the stick. You know what I mean? But you got to have that high standard from from day one. And then make them meet it an achievement. You know, when you were turning around Broken Boat, Kelly, was that part of your process, or you know, how did you how did you develop that competitiveness?
2: I think uh, the biggest thing when I got there was establishing an identity. Um, I think all these guys and any coaches that are know what they're doing, they they establish an identity. Uh, we established that uh, how we were going to play, what we were going to do. And we never wavered from that, and I think that's a big thing. And talking to your first question there is uh, just establishing an identity and being able to to do that and get the kids to buy into that. And then once they start to see that, oh, this this does work, that uh, it just kind of takes off from there. So, but it's a it's a yearly process. I mean, we just we graduated five seniors a year ago, and then we had a whole new lineup this year. And we struggled a little bit this year with finding an identity, and uh, once we started figuring it out, the wins and losses kind of took care of themselves. So, uh, big, big, big thing is establishing an identity, and uh, with us too, we get, we like to get up and down. So we gotta work hard. If you don't work hard, it's gonna it's gonna be a glaring. I mean, you can have four girls busting their tail, but when you play a good team, uh, they will find that weakness and and yep. they'll attack it. So. Um, I think working hard is another uh, big key pillar for us. Yeah. Uh,
0: the re- you know we're sitting there in the bleachers today, or in the seats. We're not in the bleachers. We are in the the comfortable seats now. Um, what what's as as you've watched games, whether it's today, where whether it's been the last couple of days, whatever it's been, what what are what are some things that, that you have learned or you've taken? and have poached from other coaches other programs that you're like ah i like that and i'm gonna bring that back to bergen or the bow or marion or where you know fort calhoun or whatever or or just strategies or things that you've seen you know just whatever what what are some things that you've seen this at this tournament that uh that you've really liked that you're like Yeah, I like that. I want to try and implement that, or I'm going to remember that. It may be something as simple as an out-of-bounds play, or it could be something much more big-picture than that. Tom?
3: I'd say, for me, the thing that I have really been looking at is, and Kelly talked about this, establishing an identity. Looking at teams that are like, we play this defense, and we play it all the time, compared to others that change it up. And I've been wrestling with that a lot. Because in my years at Sewer and so forth, we were man-to-man all the time, never anything else except Scott, that one time, a whole other story. But, <laughs> but um, I'm... the, the, uh, the Carson, of- why don't you
0: grab the check? and Just <laughs> just you guys can take off right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> no.
3: And I've been really, really, really analyzing and, and thinking about that idea of, of, as I'm thinking about for us next year, changing defenses or stick with one that you do almost all the time. That, to me, is a thing that I keep watching, analyzing, seeing at, at different levels... It doesn't matter if it's D, 2, or A. I think you learn just as much from any level. Absolutely. In terms of any level, to me, is really, is, is, you pick up a lot of those things. So that, to me, is the big thing is, and I'm wrestling with myself, changing defenses. Like, I'm kind of like, I want to really, really change, 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 or stick with one all the way. And so that's a debate with our coaching staff we have right now. And I'm kind of leaning a little bit more towards the changing. So that, that's the big thing I've been looking at.
0: Yeah. Why, what, what brought that about?
3: Well, going into this year, we were really going to be a changing defenses te- team, and then we had a lot of injuries and had to go back and tweak some things. But I, for me, it's just about what gives. what is the most difficult for an opposing coach to go against. If you interview coaches, would you rather see one defense the whole time that we're attacking that's really, really good to hang our hat on that, or is it more of a headache to go against changing defenses? To me, I feel like changing defenses is kind of a I, – I, if a guy can master that, is really difficult mm-hmm. to go against. And so I, I that's just been something I've been really thinking about as I've been watching
0: games. Yeah, I would agree with you. Like, one of the guys that I went against for a long time was Jerome Skirdla at Gretna. And Jerome was constantly changing his defenses, so you'd have to sit there. And not only do you have to change it during the game, but you got to prepare your team for it. It's like, okay, hey, you know, basically every three minutes, they're going to do this, and then they're, they're going to change – to either this or this and 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 so if you could get your program to that point again that starts with creating that identity having the use system so that you know in sixth grade okay we played all man through I'm just using I don't know what you do but yeah. we played all man through fifth grade but in sixth grade we're gonna throw in this type of zone that we're gonna run a little bit and then seventh and eighth grade maybe we throw this in you know so you know that type
2: of thing so you mean you guys don't run zone in third grade we, we, you know,
0: uh, off air, I will tell you a very funny story that happened earlier today about zone defenses, youth basketball, and social media. And there'll be three other people that will understand, there'll be two other people that will understand that, that statement. Out. That, <laughs> that, that, that will, there'll be two other people that I know that will listen to this that will understand that statement, but we're going to leave that one for off air. So, uh, but yes, when we're doing our film breakdown with our second graders, we we do address how we need to move in our zone a little bit better. Sorry, folks. In case you're wondering, I'm just joking about watching film with second graders. We we don't do that. We wait until they're in fourth grade and then we start doing that. So, so Kelly, how about you? What's what's uh what's some 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 thing, uh, a thing or things that you have uh, picked up since the tournament started?
2: Mine really hasn't been. Uh Basketball-related, I guess I've been watching teams and just their physicality, um, and it's clear to me that uh, we, our team, needs to get in the weight room a little bit more. Um, I just see every one of these teams, and I, and I can only speak to C1 because that's all I've really been to. But every one of these teams in C1 is just strong girls, and uh, you know that's one thing that. I hope I, I can get our girls to really buy into when we get back and uh, I guess it's not really what you're getting into the weight room, it's what you do in there and sure. uh, uh, I think we need to get after it in there a little bit more but uh, you know, talking about what you were saying earlier about the identity of what do I do, go back and change defense and stuff, you know I watched Bridgeport today they're 2-2-1 back to 2-3 and it's worked the whole year and one, they were one possession away from it continuing to work. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm with you on that. Where uh, We kind of struggled with that a little bit this year with our identity. So we played all-man last year. And up until that the previous five years, we played nothing but uh, zone press to zone. So uh, it just fit our personnel better. I think whatever you have to do in order to win, uh, uh-huh. that's where I kind of stand on that. I, yeah. I mean, it is a tough I wrestled with it a lot, especially early in the year. Um, there were games we were not very good in zone, and then there were games where we shouldn't have been good in and man, and we were good in man. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it's just uh, matchups. I mean, these guys have been down here. Anytime you, it's all about getting that right
1: matchup and yeah. and going against that. So yeah. How about you, Nate? Everything, I guess. <laughs> I mean. As you guys start talking here, one of our things is weight room. We're gonna graduate four seniors this year that kind of been a core of what we've been able to do over the last handful of years. And
0: no offense,
1: uh, uh, I'm glad to see them go personally, <laughs> yeah. but that's just sending them graduation cards. Uh, yeah, you know? I, I, I
0: will be there at the ceremony if necessary.
1: So, <laughs> uh, but I, I think Kelly kind of took the words out of my mouth there about the weight room. Um, we but we played a lot of these teams that are down here in the the C two tournament and uh, North Bend, obviously, in the C one tournament. We step on the floor against North Bend, and we're just not as physical as they are. And it—I—I I don't think it's necessarily just a mentality thing. They're just stronger than we are at times when they step on the floor and uh, testament what they do in the weight room. And it's something that that we need to look at too, like uh, like Kelly was mentioning. So uh, we definitely have to do some different things in our weight room. Um, we have to get some, bring some girls along, some girls that you know don't have a lot of varsity experience. Not only do we have to get them ready to play the varsity game, but we got them—we got to be ready to handle varsity physicality. Uh, and, and I think that's going to be a big part. Uh, for us moving forward next year and honestly i watched the centura game this morning and or this afternoon and junk defense is something that i've always kind of bounced around in my head that you know if you you run a, a box and one out on a team that you know they they don't see it they've never seen it all year and we have a, a six foot six one girl coming back next year uh you have somebody that can protect the paint and still be able to, you know, guard the three-point line a little bit. Maybe whether it's a, a box one, diamond one, maybe a triangle and in two, inverted triangle and in two, whatever it is. But I think junk defense is honestly something that we might think about implementing at situations next year because just I know in my own personal experience, when we first started at Bergen, we weren't very good. And when we started to get good, we had a couple of really good shooters. And I think it was Conestoga and Coach John Kyle came out with a triangle and two against us. We had no idea what to do, and yeah. obviously we've we've grown since then. Uh, we have things in place. We have set plays that are in place, but I don't know that everybody does, and still yeah. we see a box and one maybe once a year, and it still shell shocks us for a little bit. So uh, Lathium Brown it's Cintura, they were running Triangle and two. They ran box and one today. They full-court press. I mean, they, they switched it up a lot, and I think that the switching defense, as, Tom, you were mentioning before, is, is obviously something we're going to have to look at with a lot of new girls, and if you can ever get the other team not as comfortable um running against one thing the entire time i think that's good but i think the biggest thing is our offensive system we've been euro ball screen uh predominantly all year i don't know that we have that that same type of group next year i know our our boys coach and i have talked a lot about you know what's your what's your plan moving forward what are you gonna do offensively and Just watching teams in the C2 tournament, the way they attack the rim with with dribble drive, the the Croftons, the Oakland Craigs that I watched today, like, it's, I mean, we we need to get to a situation like that where we're attacking the rim, getting to the free throw line, so uh, we just kind of have to look at our entire thing as a whole, and, you know, in the situation that we're in with a lot of new girls coming in, we just kind of have to readdress the way that we do things and what we think we can be successful with next year. Uh
0: I gotta get that all ready for our first game of the year next year against Bergen. You well
1: we we'll have to get it ready then too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that I, I think that one of the things that I'm constantly reminded of when I come down here to the state tournament, and unfortunately, you know, it's been way too long since I've coached a team down to the state tournament. I'm tired of watching the state tournament. And for me, you know, it's just okay, fire in the belly is, is, is ready to roll. Like what do we gotta do to get back down here, you know? Uh, to get our program to this point. And, and we've got more and more pieces in place to get to that point. I mean, I, I feel good about that. Uh, and, you know, the first time it's just about getting here, but uh, with, with some of your teams that you know, I shouldn't say you know, you feel very confident you're going to be there at the end of the year. So you were talking about Bridgeport, Kelly. You were talking about, or was it, I can't remember, Was it was you saying Bridgeport. Uh, you know you're gonna be there. You feel like you got a good chance to be there. I think working on special situations, having uh, a change-up or something that, okay, we're never going to run this except for the last two minutes of a game. Whether it's a press break, whether it's a, it's a set play, it's an out-of-bounds play, whatever it may be, uh, because down here we all know the game slows down, everybody gets a little bit more conservative, that rim gets a little bit smaller. As you move through, and I I think being prepared for those special situations, uh, especially uh, once you get to that semifinal and final situation, I I think that's so very important. Now, like for us, we've just had to play. Just like let's let's win the first 30 minutes before we worry about the last two minutes. But I know that that's something that uh, hopefully in the next year or so that, okay, we really need to start narrowing down really executing our delay game well or executing late game out-of-bounds plays well or press breaks really well uh, because that's, you know, winning on those margins. We, we've emphasized in our program to help kind of move things in the right direction. just defending out-of-bounds plays and executing on out-of-bounds plays. Can we, can we shave off four to six points defensively and gain four to six? Now that's eight to twelve points a game. That makes a huge difference and, that, and that's an area we've really emphasized. But when you get down here, it's can you run a different press break than you've ran all year long perhaps with 20 seconds left and you're up one and you get it to the right person in the right place at the right time or, or, or things like that. I, I think that's something that I've watched play out, and I think that's something I've th- seen separate teams from moving forward and being done in, in a lot of regards. So that's that's something that I've looked at. And if you've got a team that you feel like you're going to be in that situation – that would be my suggestion after watching the, the high-level ball that we've seen the last few days. So, yeah. Anything else on that, guys? I right, think so.
3: You mentioned that we had five, at least five, maybe six games this year that came down to a tie or one possession game in the last minute. And we didn't work that much on special situations because we had to focus on the rest of the game getting up to that point. Yeah. But you're right. If you're going to be competing and expect to compete down at the state tournament, that has to be part of your regular routine, so that you are comfortable in those situations. Because how many games come down to a critical play at the end that one team executed and the other one didn't?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, um, yeah. You know, we had a we had a couple of you know, like you said, the the Bridgeport Adam Central game, which was a heck of a game. You know, I mean,
2: game okay. before it was good too. Yeah, uh, against Lincoln Christian, another one possession game, another one
0: possession game. You know, and. And Bridgeport did fine. I'm not. I'm not saying they did better or worse, or Adam Central was better or worse, but just that's one that that jumps out to you. You know, there was so many one possession situations that could have turned the tide for for both teams of that C1 game there, and even you know uh, North Bend against Malcolm in that fourth quarter. You know, so for people outside of Nebraska, they won't be familiar with these names, but
1: trust me, they were very good games. So. Oh. One, one thing to add here too, and we haven't had to deal with it, Kelly and I at our level, or you either, Marty. The the shot clock. I mean, what happens with the institute a shot clock? Maybe you know all classes instead of just class A. Well, I heard it's is, coming into B next year. Is it? Uh, so I heard that's pretty so, much done. I mean, now you talk special situations. That when do we foul? When do we not foul? And it adds a, an entirely different level layer to the game as well. As you get to the you know a tight game with minutes seconds left to play. Yeah, that
3: was our that was my first year with it this year in A. And the crazy thing is, I don't even remember it being much of an adjustment. That's a crazy thing. I really it was it for me, it changed very little. I was yeah. surprised how very little it really impacted, other than late in the game coming from behind. But it, I was really surprised. It was almost like, do we have a shot clock?
2: Yeah. Yeah, we played North Platte in our Jamboree game and they used it and I don't even think it went off in the game. So yeah. So. Uh, and then I watched the boys game and it, it went off do, one so. time and, yeah. but other than that not... I, I think it's good for the game of basketball um, that's my own personal opinion yeah. but, uh, so. I just I, I want to see the game played out for a full 32 minutes how yeah. it's supposed to be played I mean I've seen teams down here try to stall the last two minutes and wind up losing I've so. seen longer yeah. I, I've seen I've seen we, yeah. we've yeah. held it longer
1: personally <laughs>
0: like,
2: <laughs> and, and
0: that's that's the rules of the game yep, that you're playing absolutely. at that time exactly you know but you know I think it was well, I think it was the first year that I did the podcast but we had a roundtable right after um, it was Crete and Grand Island Northwest and I think it was it I think it went to triple overtime. And in the three overtimes combined, I think there was a sum total of, like, six or seven shots from the field. Like, whoever won the tip literally held the ball yes. for four minutes and then shot. And it's just like, really? That was crazy. On, on our biggest stage, yep. this is how we're going to display our game. By holding the ball for, for three minutes and 55 seconds and then put up a shot. Again, That was that's the rules that you're meant to put, But nobody... Nobody wants to watch that. No. And I have, I have yet. Anybody in Class A did not like, was there anybody that did not like the shot clock?
3: I never heard a negative complaint of any kind. It, it's amazing how little a, a topic of conversation it ever was at any point in time during the season, games. It's like we didn't even realize that it was implemented. Just It does eliminate those crazy things like you mentioned, stalling for that. But Class A kind of been that way anyway where people don't hold the ball or do those kind of things. So it's, I think you'll find out both Classes. It's, it'll eliminate that ugly part we don't like, those situations, and everybody will play in the flow of the game. And now you get to the end of the game, you want to see an opportunity for one team to have to win the game another team has the opportunity to come from behind mm-hmm. and so yeah i yeah to me it's a no brainer it just makes the game more
2: appealing to the fans too you know. i do think for the small and i am a pro shot clock guy i do think for the smaller schools like i can count on both hands how many times this year in 23 games where we're looking for people to run the score clock or something like that whether it's a junior high game or a high school game it's like for the smaller schools, I know finding the help is going to be the biggest issue. But uh, I mean, I think people will adapt and overcome that. But it's it is a challenge. But yeah. uh, but I think for the gameplay, I think it's a no brainer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Um,
2: we talked a little bit about this. Um,
0: you know, building building a championship culture, and we all kind of talked about our, our pillars, you know, uh, you know, our kind of our non-negotiables. Uh, let's say, for whatever reason, we're, we're all for starting at a new job two weeks from now. And all things being even, not knowing anything, what's the first two or three things that you're doing when you're stepping into a new job? Or as, you, as you're reinventing, you know, in the next two or three, let me rephrase that. In the next two or three weeks, all of us will be going back to our returning players, and we're going to start the process of looking forward to the next season. What's what are the things that you're looking to do as you look back on your on your 22-23 season? What are you looking to do in this upcoming season to to get your team ready to go? And, and maybe you know we we haven't had a ton of time to think about it yet, but but what what are you looking at to to really? Uh, what are usually your key themes going into your your summertime and and building up that that
2: program of yours? So,
0: Kelly, you want to start on this one?
2: Well, I think for us, uh, we'll have around twenty-eight, twenty-nine girls out next year. Wow. So, nine through twelve.
0: Nine through
2: twelve. That's awesome so, numbers. Uh, usually, we have some attrition. I mean, kind of like everybody does. But uh, everybody that went out this year in their postseason meetings said they're going out, and then uh, we'll have anywhere from eight to nine. Or seven to nine freshmen or incoming freshmen coming in so the thing I'm looking at is how am I gonna run practice (laughs) uh that's that's a big thing for me uh and then like like finding teams that they're gonna play on this summer and uh I think uh usually at the end of the year I I try to watch all the season over again I I try not I mean I watch the games during the year and stuff but I try to watch like start to finish try to get it done and a week or so, and I those things are just fresh in my mind after I watch them and I start writing things down. I know it sounds kind of odd, but uh, your best things come when you just continually watch and watch, yeah. We got to do this better, you and, see the trends, yep, yep. See the and uh, I try to get it all done in, in about a week, and uh, for us, it's uh, our skills have to get better. Um, I think, um, the games that we lost, um, we lost. Uh, six games this year, all to Division One opponents, uh, right around that. So, uh, had we won one of those games, we would have been playing in a district final. Uh, we didn't. So, to me, I'm like, why? What, what's holding us back? And uh, for us in those games, we just we were outskilled, and uh, we, we got to get better at our skills. And whether that means not going and playing as much uh, stuff, or like tournaments, or team you know, camps, team camps, or we got to get better at our skills and uh, just sharpen that up a little bit. Because until we do that, um, I think we – and we're young too. Um, We had one senior this year, and God bless her, she was a really good teammate, just didn't play a lot. And uh, so we have all of our scoring and rebounding and everything back from a year ago, plus some incoming kids. So uh, to me, it's exciting for us because we have some young kids that are – you know, might not have been thought of this year. That if they really want to get better, they have the potential to get better, and uh, just letting them know that that skill work that we need is is going to be premium for us. And I'm interested to see who steps up to, to the challenge in those uh, spots. So,
0: how about you, Tom?
3: For me, it's clearly identifying the tough core players that we're going to build with. I'm, out, I'm going to be out watching a bunch of 8th graders that are coming to Marion next year and just um, just who, what group will form that core and that group is going to form that core then what systematically do we need to do offensively defensively to build around, that fits, best fits that core we're going to go with. And so I've got, like I said 8th graders already I'm watching tomorrow that I've kind of already seen enough to where you start to identify that because then that gets into then I do the same thing that Kelly mentioned. I'll watch every game, not as quickly as he does. It'll take me probably even into next fall where I'll watch I'll just have a, a notepad down and I'll watch every game from last year from beginning to end and just take notes just like if I was scouting an opponent scouting us and just from that pick out an offensive defensive things that ends up becoming part of the master plan for next year. But to me I'm just I'm like, who are our tough kids, our core kids? That we're going to build around, we can identify that our toughest kids that have basketball abilities that can play, and then get a system built around them that best fits that core. Uh So for me, that's it, and that's where it begins and ends in the off season.
2: Nate's going to have to watch his whole season now again. (laughs) Kidding. (laughs) kidding.
1: (laughs) Set the bar a little too high there. What do you got, Uh, Nate? How about you? uh, I think it's challenging our kids. Um. there's a what 160 minutes they get played yep. by the five starters in a basketball game and we had three four girls that would play 32 minutes piece that played the entire game and it's they're not coming back next year and again thank you for that yeah, I appreciate that but it's, it's challenging our kids that are coming up that you know she's not going to be here to handle the ball next year for us she's not going to be here to get eight rebounds a game who's going to do it and what are you going to do to To get you to that place, and there was a quote actually when I was in high school that our high school coach put on our shirt. The time will come when winter will ask, "What did you do all summer?" Yeah, and it, it's going to come down to that. What are What are we willing to do this summer to improve ourselves as as shooters, as ball handlers, and 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 kind of like Kelly said, we we're going to have a, a group of girls, or somebody said a group of younger girls, maybe it's Tom. That you know we have some decent eighth graders that are coming up too, and we have some good girls that are coming back from this year's team there's no spot that's, you know, it's yours. It, yeah. it Nobody has a spot to lose at this point. I think everything's up for grabs, and I think that that's exciting in its own right that everybody knows coming in that, you know, we don't have a, a group of three-year starters that are coming uh-huh. back next year. Every spot is up for grabs, so I do think we can have a competitive summer and some girls will find out who's who's hungry and who's uh-huh. willing to be challenged and who's willing to work for those spots. Yeah. That was, that was the biggest challenge for us this year, like you we were kind of
2: experienced this year. What you're going to experience next year, where uh, you know we lost five starters, senior starters, and three or four of those were three-year starters, and it's it's a challenge. I mean, if anybody has the magic potion to replacing those kids, uh, I mean, it, it it is a challenge. But uh, I think the biggest thing is is finding a can. We talked about it a lot this year is consistency in everything you do and I think sometimes when you have young kids or young teams like that, consistency is the hardest thing in the world to coach because they think they can just turn it on and off like a light switch and that's not how it works especially in in varsity basketball and I think Nebraska girls basketball is as good as it's ever been and uh, it's getting even better out west Uh, and it's one of those things where you just cannot turn on a switch and expect to do yeah. great things. It starts you know, in practice.
3: An easy way to find—I've said that from the very first year of my coaching career. I—I I look back and I think, for us, June basketball, like we do, is like spring football for like college, where yeah. you get that opportunity. Like I was really excited here about Matt Rule. He's—he's using he's spring football. I'm going to find out who my competitors are. Who's Matt Rule? <laughs> What's that? Who's Matt Rule? Football coach in Nebraska. <laughs> what? You must be that Iowa crazy. Are
0: you oh, an I, Iowa football? I have player? no idea who you're talking about. <laughs>
3: But you know what I'm saying? It's that, it's that who shows up at the beginning, the middle, and the end, doesn't fade off at the end, shows up at open gyms, team camps, weightlifting, who can start the race, be strong in the middle, and finish strong. And you'll know by the end of the summer who your core, you'll know who those kids are. They, they, wow. they show you. So for me, I, you know, off-season thing, identifying tough kids. When you lay out your June plan, your spring basketballer, that's where you find out who those are. You, just have, the gut, you have to have the guts to say, okay... You have shown it and we're going with it and you haven't because I guarantee you what you see in June in that microcosm is what you will see in the season. The ones that can't finish it out won't in the season. The ones that don't show up. And it's one thing to show up it's another thing to show up and work hard. You, get, you, you get people to show up and punch their time card Yeah. and say I was there. It's like well, you were you there but how did you compete when you were there? Yeah. And you can't hide that over the course of a first day of camp all the way to the end and everything in between.
0: Yeah. Uh, we uh we, we were really, really young this year. I mean, you know you you uh, we, we started three freshmen most of the year and had two more freshmen that played. By the end of the year, we're playing quite a bit. And we lost you know we have one senior um, that that played was playing a lot at the end of the year. And, uh, and we're obviously we're gonna be still very young next year and, and we feel like we've got a, we've got a couple of kids that are coming in that are gonna be really, really, really good for us. And, and so, you know, my message to my team this, this spring is going to be twofold. You know, I'm, I, I'm not going to make any bones about it to, to players or parents. And, and I think that you're, you, you have to be really transparent on certain things with your players and your parents. And I'm going to tell them, you know, in this room, whenever we have our, our, our spring meeting, in this room, there's seven or eight of you that can make an argument that I should be starting a varsity game. That that in a certain situation I could I could start a varsity game and play well. And altogether, there's eleven or twelve of you that could say I should be getting minutes in a varsity game. Um, and and you would have a, a legitimate argument. I'm not I'm not going to deny your argument that you should have a chance to play X amount of minutes because of this. But I can only start five, and in a legit competitive game, I can only probably play eight, maybe nine at the most. So, figure it out. And and for us, and, and then the second part of that for us, it, it's our theme all summer is going to be uh, our theme all summer is going to be we need we need sureness and snipers. We've and when I say sureness, we've got to take better care of the basketball. And we got to start hitting some shots. And, and then we've, you know, I've got the numbers all kind of planned out. And here's here's the numbers on both of those. But if you want to be one of those five starters, if you want to be one of those top eight nine kids, these are the two major things that we need to have in order to make that happen. So go figure it out. Go figure it out. And and if you were one of those kids that played a lot last year, great. But you know what? We have even more depth in the room this year than we had last year. And the year after that, we're going to have even more depth than what we had, because I really feel like our youth program is really starting to pay off. And so just because you did this this year doesn't mean you're going to get this next year. Just because
2: you get a year older doesn't mean you're going to get better. Exactly.
0: And and I think sometimes we've all been there. You have that player or players that just assume, well, now I'm a junior. I'm going to – this is what's going to happen with me, and it's – you know, you have to continually communicate that in a very transparent way that, no, this is, this is not, you know, just because you're a year older doesn't mean you're a year better, as you said, Kelly. And so so those are, those are going to be our two big messages to our kids this spring and this summer. And, and we're just going to, you know, we're not going to determine this. You kids are going to determine it. Whoever, and, and yeah, and even when we get to the 4th of July where our stuff is basically done, yeah, there's going to be a certain thing that we've kind of seen at that point, but you're still going to have time to do it. But you know, you, you kids got to figure it out. So that's kind of where we're at. I mean, am I barking up the right tree? You guys tell me. That was my that was my that was my spring pitch to my team. Is, is that am I going to be able to sell that?
3: Absolutely, entitlement is you either are a program that allows that or not, and kids know. They know and they can tell by who you promote the fastest. Like for me, I don't care what grade you're in. When we started I don't care. I got incoming eighth grade, I got I can think of one right now. She's gonna shoot right up by the way. Because of I want toughness. Toughness. Commitment. Love for the game, smile on the face. Who you promote the fastest says everything to your players about what will get you promoted. And they're experts at being able to dissect that and so you're you're dead right. Who gets but for me it's like I love in June promoting kids that, uh, real quick that are showing it right away. I could care less if you're only just your first week with us. So, who you promote shows so much, so much more powerful than anything you say by who moves up the ranks and who doesn't.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I mean, in the the small school system that a lot of us find ourselves in. You kind of do it at the beginning of every year because you have girls that come from, let's say, golf. They're starters in golf. They go out for basketball. You have girls that are starters in volleyball. You have girls that are starters on the softball team. And you bring them all together, and who was a starter this fall? And you get, you know, eight, nine yeah. hands that come up. I get to start five of you. I get yeah. to start five. So, yeah, I mean, to sell it early on in the spring, that that same idea that you know we're gonna we're gonna reward the people that are willing to work the hardest here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're you're already doing the work there. At yeah. the forefront, we we haven't met with our team yet. We haven't turned in our jerseys yet, so yeah. we I think that's one of the first things yeah. I should probably take care of when we come back next week. But uh, uh, yeah, we got to meet with our team still and talk about our plan. Th- for thanks,
0: thanks for I'll, I'll take credit for reminding you to get that done. <laughs> yeah, named, I appreciate so.
1: it. I'm, our AD will appreciate us turning our jerseys too. <laughs> I'm sure. So uh, yeah, we got to get together with our team and talk about. We still got to reassess what this season looked like and and what we're going to do over the course of the summer. So I, I think that's a good conversation yeah. that you were able to have with the team there.
0: Well, and and you know, with that being said, I'm not going to judge Kelly on one game, or I'm not going to judge Nate on one game. Kelly, you played awesome. You had 15 points in the summer league game. You're starting. That's it. Lock stock. Bro. You're done, Cookson.
2: <laughs> I, I
0: understand. <laughs> good. I understand. Sorry. Good. My bad. I apologize. But do they show up at weightlifting the next week then?
3: Yeah. They show up at the open gym the next week. Or are they not? Can you finish? Can you start? Can you go strong in the middle and can you finish?
0: Yeah. Uh, and that's one thing that that sometimes I think kids. And again, that's you're talking about toughness. It's kind of that mental toughness, you know. Who's going to just go out and play and not overanalyze one mistake or two mistakes? Because the games we're watching here, you make a mistake in the third quarter at PBA, you got to get over that quick because it's the next play time. And, 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 you, and you just can't, you can't linger on mistakes that you, in, in the same way that you may have in January or whatever it may be, you know. So I think that's really important. But, but for us, and that's another part of my message, I'm not going to make a decision after one team camp or one game, one way or the other. But, you know, it's, it's going to be a continual build, and we're just going to watch the trends, and we're going to see what goes here, there, and everywhere. And, you
3: Look know. at the body of work. It's not one test. It's a body of work. Mm-hmm body of work and it'll show you and make it pretty
0: clear. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's uh let's wrap up on this. For and we've done this in the other two, we'll do it for this one as well. So, um, what is one thing that you are going to do for yourself to to you know, we tell our players to get better. What are you going to do to make yourself better in the off season here in the in the what we call the improvement season. So, uh you know, on the on the, I know I said this on Wednesday, I've gotta do I've got to do more reading for me. I've got to do more reading, uh, leadership books, uh, leadership materials, those type of things. Uh, be able to communicate in the way that I want to communicate. I really feel like, and again, I don't want to beat the drum of what I talked about a couple of days ago, but I, I don't feel like I communicated nearly as well with this team as I have my first couple of teams at Fort Calhoun. Uh, getting us to to all row the boat in the same direction. PJ Fleck, he's a football coach as well. <laughs> Where uh, at? Uh, the University of Minnesota. All right, one of the original Big Ten schools. It's his first year? No, okay. no. Uh, but uh, you know, so so for me, that's a I, I need to do a better job of. Communicating, communicating positively. What are different ways, different methods that that I can do that, and and just kind of not reinvent my own wheel, but just tweak some of the things that try to pick a little thing here and there, and, and by diving in there. So that's for me as a coach. That's what I want to get better at in the off season here. So uh, that's where I'm at. Anybody,
1: you know, where do you want to go? I, I would think our offensive system at Bergen just uh talk with some we're fortunate we have Midland in town and some good basketball coaches there that have good offense run good actions I think just getting in touch with some people that that do really good things and seeing how we can utilize some of the some of the offensive schemes that, that they use I think is going to be big for us in offseason my my wife's having a kid in June it's our first oh, hey so congratulations yeah thank awesome. you but uh we'll uh We'll see how much free time I have over the course of that, you know. You will not have much. No, first born you. 35 right years now. old is going to be uh, a little bit of a change. But, yeah, we'll we'll put as much time into it as we can and try to sit down with some people here over the next couple of months and figure out what we can do to, to get better as, as a coaching staff and things that we can do to our girls in a, a better position to, to score on the offensive side. Yeah
0: boy or girl or we're not surprise. gonna find out surprise that's Yeah, old school
1: yeah old school awesome well, hey congratulations Thank man that's you.
0: awesome that's awesome uh, how about you tom for me i the thing that really jumped
3: out to me when you posed that question is keeping myself mentally physically fresh not overdoing it i coached club ball last uh head coach of a club team last summer spring summer and it was a great experience the kids and the parents were awesome but i'm like and I'm actually mulling that over right now, returning to do that. But I, I think the big thing is to make sure that I'm keeping myself mentally, physically fresh, balanced in my life with my wife and my family to make sure that you're not coming, you're not getting to the end of the summer and like, uh, school starts Monday? Yeah. Really? So I think to me that's a big thing is making sure that I'm really energized, fresh. And part of that is I got a great staff now. My staff in place now, Marion, is great, and leaning on them so that, I think sometimes as head coaches we can get caught up doing too much and then you end up getting tired, worn out, um, and it impacts everybody you're around. And so to me, that's a big thing is, um, I have found that I absolutely love going out and watching my high school players play, prospects coming in, like for me this summer would be all the kids I know are coming to Maryland, go out and watch them all over the place. And same amount of time spent doing that but being a head coach of a team whole different stress level Mm -hmm. whole different stress level and so for me it's about making sure that I come in fresh for my kids so they get the best version of me and how I coach them for their best interest because it is about the kids and if you want to make it a great experience as a head coach you need to make sure you're bringing your best version and not being I think all of us kind of get involved with coaching all that the June stuff's a load yeah yeah so I don't know if you guys coach in the club realm or not, but I had a talk. Used converse- to. Not anymore. I had a conversation. I remember you getting out of that. I remember thinking that same thing that I went through. I, like, I bet that's why Kelly got out. Yeah,
2: I, it just got to be one of those things. I, and I ran one where I had ten teams. every I don't know how season. you did oh, that. Wow. wow! And I did not coach them all, obviously. But uh, well, why not? Just <laughs> just the uh, organization aspect of of club basketball. I I am. I'm grateful for the relationships I built over the 11 or so years, but uh, as you get a family and stuff, it's just, it's one of those things where it just gets put to the back burner and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where I just couldn't, I couldn't physically do it anymore. I mean, I was exhausted when I get into school. Like you said, oh, school starts today and it's like, I've been out of this for a couple weeks, and you know, it's just yeah. I, I I started to dislike the game, and I know yeah. that uh, that's that's tough to hear. I mean, from a coaching standpoint, or tough to say from a coaching standpoint. Um, but it did it, it. I just was getting tired of going to the gym every day for eight weeks. Sure. No, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, when my wife and kids were at home, and I I know it probably resonates with somebody listening to this, and I'll just tell them that. Family, oh, no, family, no, over no, everything. Yeah, um, I, I mean, coaches burnout is
0: a real thing because I, I experienced it. I mean, I, you know, and and uh, I am very conscientious. You, you know, you know, one of the things, and I'm pretty sure it's on the website. You know, I have a list of, and I spent a lot of time on just delegation of authority, and and Mike Neighbors, you know, he says. As a head coach, if it doesn't involve winning, I don't do it. If it doesn't involve winning, I don't do it. And so uh, one of the major adjustments I made when I took my new position was I was going to be very firm, but very fair. But I was sit down with myself, okay, here's, here's basically the 15 things that I don't like to do. And it doesn't involve winning. So you guys or gals are going to do it, and you figure it out. Who's going to do what? I don't care how you divvy it up, but I'm not going to do it. I'll show you how to do it a time or two maybe, but after that, it's yours because I can't burn not, not just the candle at both ends, but multiple ends coming out of the same candle, so, so to speak. And I think sometimes we as head coaches get caught up in developing the youth program, doing some AU stuff, Getting watching kids media play stuff
3: pumped out.
0: Yes, and 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 just and then oh yeah, oh by the way, I need to put together a solid practice plan, which is the most important thing I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm spinning my wheels doing this other stuff. So
3: and 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 having good assistance you can trust. Yes. That when you delegate it, you can relieve it from your stress memory and it'll get done as opposed to later on finding out you didn't do it. Yeah. So assistant well. coaches that is like we mentioned earlier about program stuff. To me, it's like going off season. Make sure you got Hard working, loyal,
0: dedicated. Yeah. We had we had a situation this year with I told my by one I told one assistant you're going to organize a community service day. Well, what do you want me to do? I don't care. But get the kids together and do a community service day. And I told I gave her like here's the date you're going to do it. Gave her like six eight weeks to do it. I check in a couple weeks later. You got that to take care of yet? No, okay. You got to get it done. You got to get it done. We've put it out there. We're doing community service on this day. Do it. And, and it got to like a week. And she's like, well, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed <laughs> to do. I don't care. Figure it out. And as a, you know, 10 years ago, I would have said, all right, fine. All kind of this. But I was like, no, you're doing this. This is your job. I have delegated this job to you. I expect this to be done. And I think that sometimes as head coaches, we have a hard time of, well, we don't want the program to look bad. If if this isn't if we don't deliver on the promise, so therefore I've got to get take care of. Well, no, that's your job. That's your job, and I have told you that you're going to do this. And she put something together in three or four days, and and that type of thing. But that that's something that again, ten years ago I would have been like, well, okay, fine, I'll just you know I'll let you off the hook and I'll do it. But it would have been it would have taken away from winning, and that's what I can't do anymore as a head coach is have things that take away from winning on a
2: consistent basis. So. I, Anything think, on your, I think on, for uh, me, it's uh, like you talked about a little bit with leadership. And I'm I'm finding myself, uh, I don't know if Coach can talk about this. He, he's been in it a little longer than you and I have. but Not much. Uh, yeah. Two uh, years longer? Three, I think I can. Three, okay. I'm All right. not good at math either. I'm finding right. myself trying to relate to today's player. And I know that that, even ten years ago, I think, some, some things have changed as far as mentality of, of players and I don't know what that is but uh, I, I'm constantly trying to find ways to figure out how I can get through to every single kid because I'm finding out that a lot of kids have a lot of different things going on in sure. their life and sometimes I don't even know what is going on and uh, just being a little more cognizant of those things, and uh, sometimes my way isn't the best way. I'm I'm figuring that out um, with with coaching some kids with my style or whatever, and uh, it's just one of those things that I, I I'm gonna try to grow on that. And I don't know, Coach. You could probably speak on. Do you feel kids have changed from? Well, I, think- I, I don't know if it's kids, for example. I I just think priorities have changed a little bit.
3: They have, and I think along, that's a great point you're bringing up, and I think in terms of, with that, being cognizant of the things they're going through, so you as a coach don't get so tunnel-visioned on practice, and games, and X's and O's, you forget about them as a person, and what they need, and all that, because that is so huge, because kids today, you got a lot of high-price-paid psychologists and all that stuff, but there's no better psychologist than high school kids. They know if a coach cares, and they know if he doesn't. And that's the biggest thing I've had to really work on is to be intentional about making sure that they know that I care and not just assuming that they... Like, I coached my daughter for four years. So I could coach her whatever way. I'm like, in the end, she knew I loved her. So I'm okay. But our players aren't our daughters necessarily, and so they need more than just what you as a dad would do because they know you care about them and love them. And that's been the biggest thing is, like you're saying, the outside stuff that basketball may not be the number one player in their life. How do you get the most out of them? And you see it all over the place, but how do you go about being intentional that you care about them so that they know it? Because they do have a lot of other things going on. That senior that's in the middle of the season, that you're like, what's your issue? And it's like, well, what we didn't realize is that I'm under tremendous stress trying to figure out what I'm going to go to college at. I don't have the scholarships I want. I don't, you know, Whatever it may be. So being intentional about I have to make sure they know that I care, because I do. I mean, I think we're all the same. Yeah. I truly care about I can see my kids 10 years down the road and give them a hug and love them. But it, uh, one big thing I have to work on is how do I make sure they know that, that I care about them now as I'm coaching them as their basketball coach, not wait 10 years down the road I'll do anything for you. Well, no, how do I let them know that now? Because if they if, – if they kids today, if they – are not sure if you really care about them. It's over. It's done. Yeah, you're not getting anywhere. And if so, th- that's a great point you brought up, Kelly. I saw great. a
2: really good quote about uh, this. This coach was saying to, or not quote. It was a tweet, but uh, this coach was saying, none of my kids are going to play college basketball. And I, I feel like for me, maybe one, as of now, you know. I mean, minimal. And he said his number one priority is to make sure they have an enjoyable experience. I mean, and that, that really stuck out with me a little bit. Is and you guys are younger. Not yeah. a lot,
3: but little. But I always, what's really impressed me too is that kid that's fragile out there. You as a parent watching in the stands, I've had my kids go through. It's like, you know what you would want from that coach. Yeah. Whether they play well or not, you know what you would want from them and how they treat them in the good and the bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have to, if they're lazy or not playing hard, at you, that's different. But when they're struggling, being there, please be there for them. I'm thinking yeah. that's how I need to be yeah. for the players that I'm coaching that are somebody else's right. daughters because that's everything, yeah. isn't yeah. it?
2: Well, And for me, what you just said is exactly what yeah. I know I need to work on uh, as a coach and yeah. uh, make no bones about it. Just, just relationships. I mean, you know certain group, you've been through it it's you hard Is it, it. You it's have really certain, hard you have certain groups that you just you jive with and you yeah. and, and yeah. then you have groups that I, I mean you just gotta get it, it, and, and that can better. differ
0: from one literally one year to the next like you can 100%
2: you get.
0: Well, do that well think about yeah. this
3: We've, we all have kids it's hard with your however many two three whatever you had I had three it's hard to get it right with them how many times do they think mom and dad don't care and you know you love them I told my girls many times, I got 25 of you. It's, help me out if I'm not meeting the standard, if I'm not getting it done, help me out and let me know. Because it's 25 of you I'm trying to be a parent too, if you will. Because as a coach, you kind of are a parent during yeah. your care for yeah. that time.
0: And one of the, you and I are a little different than Kelly and Nate. I mean, you're just having your first child. Your kids are young. I got to meet his daughter Last year at uh, at Broken Bow, we had a good time eating some popcorn together watching <laughs> some basketball. She's your oldest, right? Yeah, Kelly. six years old. Yeah, yes. she's six. So, you know, Tom and I are both empty nesters. And here's, here's my youngest right here. Yeah, and and the food uh, expert. One of one of one of the things that I now, especially at my new gig, I can I can look at my parents and say, I've been through probably about pretty much every situation you've been through as a parent as a as as an activity parent now my three kids were much different oldest was in to mock trial and that type of stuff second one was an athlete third one was drama and speech and that type of thing but you know when, when when I talk to your daughter when I coach your daughter when I try to build that relationship with your daughter I'm very conscientious of now that I've been on the other side of it, and I've had all three of my kids go through the high school experience of being in activities, what would I want my daughter to feel like if I was your coach? And 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 so I think by being a parent and going through that, I think that's helped me with my relationships and relationship building and having my my parents. Uh, being able to have that street cred if you will talking to them about that so and yeah.
1: i i had a good quote that i heard too and it's you, you want to know if you're a good coach or not or you think you're making a difference in kids lives ask your worst player yeah like, it, it's not just your your core group of kids that are playing varsity minutes all the time it's what kind of relationship are you building with the kid who's the last kid on the bench like yeah what what would they say about you if if they were, you know, there's a fly on the wall listening to a conversation they're having. So it's it's about everyone. It's like you said, treating every single one of the girls as if they're your own kid. And what kind, you know, as I'm getting ready to have our own with my wife and I, it's like what who do who do I want to be as a coach yeah. for? A, who do I want my kid to play for down the road? And I want to be that kind of person, that kind of leader for the group of girls that we're able to work with. So, uh, yeah, that coach that quote just kind of resonates with me a little bit with what you Tom guys have been will talking about. Still be about. coaching. <laughs>
3: Hey, it's interesting you brought that up because when my daughter was at Nebraska and she transferred to Colorado State, a very wise person told me, make sure wherever you're looking at going, make sure you ask the last player on the bench how they enjoy if they enjoy their experience there. And the school she ended up going to is where the 13th one on the end of the bench said, I loved it. That's all we
0: needed to know. Yeah, yeah. That's a great point. Great one. Yeah. Good place to stand, gentlemen. Good place to stand here. We've got a... Uh, real solid hour conversation here thanks for your time guys really appreciate you coming on here today and my goodness that went by fast yeah well hey you, you get a, you get a you get amongst great minds and tom toverty you know <laughs> every, everything everything goes i right. hear you there <laughs> yeah. um, but no i, I really appreciate you, you guys coming on hopefully we uh, take it care of here again mike uh here at the mellow mushroom has been absolutely awesome
3: Hey, I uh, appreciate it being with you guys and things I pick up from hearing yeah. you guys talk.
0: Yeah, it's it's we've we've had three great conversations this week. You know, obviously these these roundtables are hard to do because it's hard to bring in people and sitting down face to face and things like that. But these are always my favorite ones to do, just because you you really feel like you can just dive in on a lot of different things here. And I think we've we've really done that here today on a lot of different perspectives and and helping coaches, you know, at this point of the year looking ahead to okay. in the the next few weeks whenever that is uh for us it'll be march 17th we're gonna have our spring meeting on march 17th we're gonna have our banquet on the 14th and for me i never have i never talk about next year until last year's officially done and last year's not officially done until the banquet's over with then we then the books the books closed and we put it on the shelf and now it's time to move forward but on the 17th you guys have given me some great thoughts and ideas about uh what we need to do and what we need to talk about within our program and through 400 episodes, that's been the biggest privilege for me. Is every week I get to talk with with really great coaches about a lot of really different things, and so uh, I know all of you guys have been on before on a lot of different venues. So really, really appreciate it. And thanks for and, having and, me. And, thank and thanks thank for coming you. on thank here today, much. guys. So again, we want to thank Mike at the Mellow Mushroom here. Carson Taverdi will not be on because we didn't order, and we didn't end up ordering any food. So uh, the, there, there's no food review today. So we're gonna to have to let the Carter Plum. Food review from the first two kind of suffice, I guess here. So, but I've been uh, here
2: before. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. There <laughs> it is. There it is. I
0: back that up. Yep. All right. So there's 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 twenty out of twenty right there. So uh, again, if you're down here for the boys' state tournament, uh, check out a, a Mellow Mushroom. They've been absolutely terrific over the last couple of years, allowing me to do these uh, right across the street from the arena. Great location, great food, great atmosphere. Easy walk right over. You can finish your meal. 15 minutes before tip and be in your seat before tip off. You know, and, and that's the best thing about it. So, uh, so again, Nate Pribno, head girls basketball coach at Fremont Bergen, Kelly Cooksley at Broken Bow, Tom Tiverdi at Omaha Marion. Uh, appreciate your time here today, uh, fellas. Uh, yeah, I, I guess we'll say that too. We'll, we'll, we'll say that too. So, uh, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.